notice that I spent probably two hours on the phone yesterday with my pastor and he said to me brother Riggin you must understand this is a door God has opened to you and because God has opened it to you you have an obligation to keep going back until the work is on its feet and um, my plan was you know send other folks uh, stay home you know I don't like to travel and and I had already talked to the other team members. I said, we'll all just take turns. And, and my hope was that my turn would be the last one. Um, not that I don't, I, I loved being there. I loved what God did. I hate traveling. And if there were a, if there were one of these, you know, sci-fi transporters that you could push a button and be there, then I'd say glad, you know, I, I'm happy for it. Just send me any time you want. But but this traveling for two nights back to back without any sleep and, and all of that is just not for this old man. Uh, however, I will submit myself to my pastor and do what he has told me to do. Praise God. That's the way I believe it's supposed to be. And um, I trust my pastor as a man of God. And I believe uh, what he says to me. And he even told me. He said, you're a pastor in your own right. You know, if, if you don't want to take my advice, that's fine. I said, oh, no, no, that's not the way it works for me. I, you're my pastor. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And so I know that even before this year is out, I'm going to have to make a return trip to Zimbabwe. I love those folks. They really, really got a hold of my heart. They wept when they took us to the airport. They told us how much they were going to miss us, how anxious they are for us to come back. Such hungry, hungry people. If you were not here Thursday night, I would encourage you to get a hold of a CD or two CDs or whatever it took me to get it. I don't know. But as I told the story of all that transpired in the country of Zimbabwe, it is a great and marvelous thing. I wrote about it. I put it in my blog. I had a preacher contact me yesterday. He said, as I read your blog, I felt like I was reading the next chapter of the book of Acts. It's just like that. That's just the way it happened. And um, I'm just so thankful that God allowed me to be a small part of it. Amen. But we're here today. We're here in America today. And uh, we're here at New Life. And it's time to get our minds focused on the word of the Lord. Would you turn to the book of Matthew chapter 23? To our guests, I will tell you, uh, we have been spending the last few years, um, last couple of years, studying the Bible, going through this glorious book, beginning with the very first book of the Bible and working our way through it studying at the Bible. It is such a phenomenal and amazing book. There is no other book anywhere that is as old as this one and yet as relevant as this one. There is no other book anywhere that had such a, a, a variance of authors from all kinds of backgrounds, from shepherds to politicians to preachers, and yet not one of them contradicted the other. And it is all a sign that this is not the words of a man. But what we hold here 
are the words of God. God inspired it. God put it together. And we see that more and more as we study the book. Uh, for some time now, we have been studying the book of Matthew. And we are coming down towards the end of the book. We're ready for Matthew. Actually started two weeks ago, Matthew 23. Last Sunday I was in Zimbabwe. But two weeks ago, started in Matthew 23. Only made it through the first three verses. Didn't make it very far at all. Don't know how far we'll make it today. Don't care. We'll just go until either the spirit lifts or the time runs out um, or you get tired and walk out on me, praise God. But we'll, we'll, we'll go until we can finish today, however far the spirit allows. And then once we are finished and have had a little bit of time to pray, we're going to have a baptismal, praise God. And great and glorious thing. Matthew 23, beginning with verse 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. All their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Amen. Let's pray one more time. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. And I would again ask for your prayers that God would strengthen this voice of mine and help me to get through this service today. I feel like God wants to talk to us. There are people here who need a touch from God, and I want us to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost today. Would you pray right now, church? Would you lift your hearts, lift your hands, lift your voices? Let's talk to the Lord together, everybody. Jesus, in your name, we are so thankful that we have this great privilege and opportunity. So very, very thankful, God, that you have brought us together here to study your word. I ask you, O oh Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us today. I ask you, O oh Lord Jesus, that you would touch hearts today. I ask you, O oh Lord Jesus, that you would do a work in this service, that you would save souls before we leave this house. Please guide my thoughts, anoint my heart, speak through these lips of clay. Let the word of the Lord have free course in this service. Let it touch the hearts of men and women who are seated here today. Give us answers. Give us direction from the pages of your word. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Would you worship the Lord together right now, everybody? Let's praise him together. Let's praise him together. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Uh, for the sake of those who have not been a part of the study, please just allow me to do a very, very brief review. There are some things you need to understand about the book of Matthew. Matthew was a Jew, as were all of the original disciples, and even the man Christ Jesus himself when he was born on this earth was born to Jewish parents. 
Matthew sat down under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to write to the Jewish people to show them that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of their scriptures. I'm going to tell you that when you study what is called the Old Testament, it is the Jewish scriptures. When you study that part of the Bible, what you are reading is Jesus Christ. From the book of Genesis through the book of Malachi, it's all about Jesus Christ. The very opening of the Bible gives us the, the, the promise and the prophecy that the, the Messiah, the Savior, would come. The very last book of the Old Testament talks about the coming of the Messiah. He is all through the scriptures. And what Matthew's gospel does is take those scriptures and show the Jewish people that this man, Christ Jesus, was what your scriptures were predicting would come to pass. He was the fulfillment of everything you've been hoping for and longing for. And can I say to this congregation this morning, even as I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now, hallelujah, I want you to know Jesus Christ is, even today, fulfillment of all that you've been looking for, of all that you've been searching for, of all been hungry for. You're not going to find the answer in alcohol. You're not going to find the answer in drugs. You're not going to find the answer in human relationships. But where you're going to find the answer is in the person of Jesus Christ. He is all that you need. He is everything that your soul longs for. In fact, it's not a part of my notes, but I feel it this morning. I want to just tell you that in every human heart, there is a God-shaped void, a God-shaped hole right in the center of your heart, and you can try your best to fill it with anything you want to fill it with. It's not going to fit. Until the Spirit of is in that place uh, you're never really going to be happy you're never really going to be satisfied in fact I want to tell you even religion will not fill that void even religion will not give you what you're looking for religion is empty it's relationship with God that you're seeking for and not everyone who has a religion has God. Well, hallelujah. In fact, I'm really not that far off of my notes because this is the very thing Jesus is addressing in Matthew chapter 23. He's writing about people who have a religion, but they have no relationship with God. Amen. We're going to look at some of those things uh, as we go through this chapter, verse by verse, passage by passage. Amen. We, we uh, just again, so that you know where we are in this. You, and and maybe, maybe I should take the time to just explain this one little thing for those who don't know. When you read the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, 
What you're reading are the life story, the biography, if you please, of Jesus Christ. Every one of those four books begins somewhere around the Lord's birth, and they end somewhere around his death and resurrection. These are, bi- these are biographies. They are biographical books that tell the life story of Jesus Christ. Amen. And where we are right now in this story is in the last few days of Jesus' life on earth. We've covered his ministry. We've covered his, his childhood. We covered all of that in the weeks that are gone by. And now we are coming down literally to the last couple of days before he is hung on a cross to die for us. We are right there at the end. In fact, uh, what we have in chapter 23, chapter 24, chapter 25, these are simply sermons and lessons that Jesus preaches and teaches in his closing moments. The very next time that we pick up a storyline, if you please, is going to be where we find the story of the Last Supper, the night of his betrayal. So that lets you know where we are in the timeline of his life. All right, everybody with me? Amen. So chapter 23, uh, what what we find here, the Lord uh, really in this chapter gives some of his strongest teachings concerning the religious leaders of his day. And and, and I'm just going to tell you that what he taught about those religious leaders is just as applicable to the religious leaders of today as it was to the leaders of his day. For even in this day, our country and all around the world, there are religious leaders who are trying to promote their religion. They're trying to get you to join a church. And that's not what God is looking for. Let me just just tell you to our guest today, you're not going to find us trying to pressure you into joining a church. That's not what we're about. I'm not interested in getting people to join a church. What I'm interested in is getting people to join themselves to Jesus Christ. To develop a relationship with Him. To allow His Spirit to fill their life and give them the power to become what He wants them to be. That's what New Life Pentecostal Church is all about. It's not about increasing our membership roles. In fact, I, again, I, I want to be careful not to get too far off the note. But this is, this is one of the things that is frustrating me. Do I need to? I think we've got a short here. We'll go back to the old-fashioned method here. Amen. And um, anyhow, um, we, we, we are interested in, in getting you connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, what I started to say was one of the things that bothers me about religion today is that church after church has this huge membership role. You can call most any church and say, how many members do you have? And they might tell you 400, 500, 1,000, whatever. But then ask them, what is your attendance? 
and the attendance is only a fraction of what they claim as membership. This is the problem. People join churches, they become members of churches and never develop a relationship with Jesus. And then they feel comfortable that, hey, I'm a member of a church. But I want to tell you something. Please hear me this morning. When you stand before God on judgment day, God is not going to open the membership roles of some church and ask you, what church do you belong to? God is going to see if your name has ever been written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the membership role your name needs to be on. Well, hallelujah. So, this, this is not a new thing. This is not a new phenomenon. This has been going on uh, at least all the way back to the times of Jesus. For they had their religion, and they were passionate about their religion, and they pushed their religion, but they did not have a relationship. And because of that, Jesus condemned them. And so let's look. We, we finished, as I said, the first three verses uh, of Matthew chapter 23 a couple of weeks ago. Let's pick up with verse 4 because really in verse 4, Jesus begins to change the subject just a little bit. And so it's a great place for us to start. Whether or not you were a part of, of uh, the last lesson, you can pick up with verse 4 and, and we'll all be together on the same page without a problem. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 4, read for me. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne. And lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Now, now this, is, this is an interesting, interesting verse of Scripture. Jesus is talking about the, the religious leaders of his day. He said what they have done is they have created these ceremonies. They have created these religious rites, if you please, R-I-T-E-S, religious rites, religious ceremonies, and they expect every member of their religion to follow their rules and their regulations to a T. And he said, it just seems like they add to it and they add to it and they add to it until it gets harder and harder and harder to ever live up to it. But that doesn't matter to these leaders. They're enjoying the power trip they're on. Are you hearing me? They're enjoying being able to micromanage the lives of the people. And so they continue to add these heavy burdens onto men's shoulders. And then Jesus says about them, amen, that they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Now, the way that we would say that in today's vernacular is this. They won't lift a finger to help. Ever heard that term? It's exactly what Jesus is saying about these people. They're going to stand up here and they're going to tell you what you've got to do and they're going to tell you how you've got to live, but they are not interested in helping you do that. Now hear me. I've seen this happen in our own churches. Some brand new person comes in, receives the gift of the Holy Ghost, and some well-meaning established member begins to expect them to line up to every little thing that they think is right 
and they're ready to cut them off and kick them out if they don't match every little thing they think. And yet they are not willing to try to help them. They just want to judge them. Let me tell you, let me tell you, members of New Life Pentecostal Church, this was the very thing Jesus preached against. It is not your job nor your business to try to line people up and make them look the way you think they ought to look or act the way you think they ought to act. That's not your job. That's not your position. And that's exactly what the Pharisees, the leaders of Jesus' day did. Amen. They put more and more burdens on them, and yet they wouldn't lift a finger to help them. I don't want to help you grow. I don't want to help you mature. I just want to tell you what you should be doing. Don't call me with your problems. Don't cry on my shoulder. Don't expect me to pray for you. Don't expect me to try to help you. I'm just telling you what you need to do. And this was the very thing that Jesus condemned in Matthew 23, verse 4. Now, here's the problem. Verse 5 describes what's really going on in the hearts of these leaders. Read verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Now... The problem is what Jesus said in the first part of this verse. All their works they do. Why? To be seen of men. That's all they care about. They want everyone who sees them to say, oh, there's a spiritual man. Oh, there's a religious man. There's somebody that really, really loves God. And it wasn't because they loved God. They had no interest in loving God. They just wanted everyone to look up to them as somebody spiritual. And Jesus said everything they did, they did it only so that others could see them do it. See, see this, is, this is one of the things that has bothered me. And again, I'm, I, I know I'm, I'm afraid, especially to our guests today, I don't want you to think of me as a very critical person. I've just got a problem with a lot of modern religion. I just believe that religion has, has gone off the path from where Jesus wants us to be. And I've been in conferences and I've been in meetings where they said, all right, we need to raise money for such and such. Who'll stand and give $1,000? And I've watched people stand and get their names called through the microphone. But I've also been on the receiving end of some of those funds. And I've found out that many people who love to stand and have their names called publicly never send a penny. They just wanted everyone to think they were giving. This is the very thing Jesus condemned. You're not giving because you care about the need. You're not giving because somebody's hurting. You're not giving because some nation has just been wiped out by a hurricane or whatever it is they're raising funds for. You're only stating you'll give because you want somebody to pat you on the back. But how many other things do we do? just to be noticed by men how many times do we come to church only because we know if we don't show up somebody's going to wonder 
why we're not here. Can I tell you, we need to come to church. We need to be in church. But you know what ought to draw us to church? Our love for God. Look, I, I enjoyed every moment of my time in Zimbabwe. Are you hearing me? I loved everything I saw. I have never been in such an experience in all of my life. I was sharing it with my pastor last night, who is as apostolic a man as I've ever known. He has sat under the ministry of men like Verbal Bean. He has seen things happen, miracles happen, been in powerful services. But as I began to tell him what I witnessed, he said to me, Brother Regan, I've never seen that. I've never been there in a situation like that. I'm going to tell you, I loved seeing what I saw. But can I tell you that as much as I enjoyed it, as much as I was blessed by it, there was something in my heart that said, I've got a pretty little lady back home that I sure am missing. And I can't wait to get back to see her. Can I tell you that every opportunity I had, I found a way to contact her. Sister Goff told me about a, uh, an app that I could get on my uh, phone that would use the Wi-Fi service in our hotel where I could make free phone calls. So sometimes it was late at night for me and I was wore out, but I can promise you I didn't go to bed that I didn't call my sweetheart. And you do know by sweetheart I mean my wife. I don't want anybody to get any ideas that there are two separate persons here. I'm just telling you, I wanted to be with her. I wanted to be around her. I wanted to talk to her. And you want to know the reason why? Because I love her. I wonder about people that you've got to beg them and plead them and, and, and get on to them and, and, and reprimand them to get them to come to church. I love God. I can't wait to get back in God's presence. I can't wait to feel what we've been feeling in this service this morning because I love him. Nobody has to make me. And it's not because I'm a pastor. I'm telling you, I felt this way long before I ever started preaching. I couldn't wait to get to the house of God. I couldn't wait. You want to have another church service this week? Great. Wonderful. Sounds good to me. I'm anxious to get back into the house of God. Somebody help me get to church. I don't come to church so people can see that I'm here. I don't come to church so that somebody can thank me for my presence. I come to church because this is God's house, and I love God. Hallelujah. And church, listen to me. This has got to be the motivating factor behind everything we do. It's got to be because we love God. I give because I love him. There are certain things I don't do, not because I'm a legalist, but because I love him and I know it makes him unhappy. His word says that it does. And I don't want him to be unhappy. I love him. Nobody's making me do this. Nobody's making me live this way. You hear me? I can do anything I want to do. But there are some things I don't want to do. Because I love God. 
That's what God is looking for, and that's what the Pharisees missed. Though they had the law of God for literally thousands of years, they had the law, but they didn't have the love. And what God is looking for today is people who have the love. Well, praise God. That's what he is looking for. That's what he is, is trying to reach for even in this service. But all their works, Jesus said, they do because they want to be seen of men. They want someone to applaud them. They want someone to recognize them. And again, again, God help me. I, I don't want to come across as overly critical. But, but another trend that I'm seeing take place in churches is somebody get up to sing and the whole crowd applauds their singing. Now, it just please forgive me, but it bothers me. Because I read in the Bible that no flesh ought to glory in God's presence. I don't want people applauding me. If we're going to offer applause, I want them to go to him. I don't want to be up here entertaining you with my vocal abilities if I had any. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in singing to him because I love him. Well, hallelujah. And when I finish singing, I don't want you. In fact, God help me. I, but I um, have some connections, some connections with um, current and past gospel singers. All right. And, and just the other day, we got into a discussion. Some of them were very upset um, one man in particular was talking about he remembers the death of, of the, the gospel music concerts. He knows when it died. When it died, he said, is when Pentecostal people started coming. Because the singers would start singing and the people would, would, would start uh, clapping or start raising their hands or start even dancing around. And, and he said, no longer were they applauding us as the singers. No longer were we receiving standing ovations for what we were doing. And that, he said, was the death of gospel music. Well, I got a problem with that. I don't sing for people to applaud me. And if that's what you're about, go get a job somewhere else. Don't call yourself gospel. Don't tell me you're singing about Christ. You're not singing about Christ. You're doing this for your own glory. I'd much rather have a group of people come in who aren't interested in whether I hit the right note or not. They're just interested in the words that I'm saying. And their hearts are moved by what's coming out of my mouth. And they're worshiping God. They're not worshiping me. I'm not the hero. He's the hero. I didn't die for anybody. He did. He's the one who did. He's the one that deserves the glory. He's the one that deserves the praise. Well, you know, if anybody deserves a standing ovation, if anybody deserves a standing ovation, far greater than any singer, any musician, any movie star, any athlete, 
If anybody deserves a standing ovation, it's a God who would wrap himself in flesh, suffer and die for us, conquer death, hell, and the grave, and then say, I'm going to take you to heaven to be with me. He deserves a standing ovation. He deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. I'm not, I'm not an entertainer. It's not my job is to entertain you. I'm afraid for a lot of Christianity that is what church is becoming. It's all about let's go to church and be entertained. When really we should be going to church to entertain God's presence. He's the one we ought to be focused on. He's the one we ought to be worshiping. He's the one who ought to get the recognition. He's the one whose name ought to be called more and more and more. Hallelujah. Jesus said, all their works they do for to be seen of men. That's why they do it. In fact, he said, if you can put verse 5 back up there again, he, he goes on to say, all their works they do for to be seen of men, they they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. Now, I know those, those terms don't mean much to us in today's English. So let me read to you from another translation. The contemporary English version, to me, simplifies this um, so that everyone can understand it. Here's what, what it says. The contemporary English version puts it this way. Everything they do is just to show off in front of others. They even make a big show of wearing scripture verses on their foreheads and their arms. And they wear big tassels for everyone to see. Now that may not even make a whole lot of sense to you. But having been in Israel the first of the year, I understand exactly what that's saying. Because I watched them at prayer time. They literally have a little box with scriptures rolled up in it that they, they tie it around their foreheads. This little box is sticking out on their forehead so everyone can see I have this scripture here on my forehead. They, they have this band that they wrap around their arm. They wrap, it's, it's, a, it's a big process. It's a big show. You know, roll their sleeve up, wrap this band all the way around their hand, their arms. And they've, they've got these scripture verses in there. I want everyone to see the scriptures are on my arm, scriptures are on my forehead. But the problem is, Jesus was dealing with people who had the scriptures on their forehead, on their arms, but they never got them in their heart. And see, when it's in your heart, you can't make a show of that. So people don't applaud you for having the scriptures in your heart. And they wanted the applause of men. 
I watched them as they wore their prayer shawls. They wanted everyone to see the, the shawls on them. Everyone to know, I'm about to pray. In fact, I talked about this on our flight there as we were going into Israel and the sun came up. It was their prayer time. And one of those men had to get up and stand at the window and pray so everyone could know he was praying. And the pilot came on the intercom system and said that the Israeli law prohibits anyone being out of their seat when we cross into Israeli airspace. And if you're out of your seat when we cross that line, we cannot land in Israel. Didn't matter to that man. He wanted everyone to know. In fact, I'll be honest with you, I, and I'm not judging him. I'm just telling you, you know, you know an orange tree when you see the oranges, Right? That's not judging. I didn't just judge that tree. I just see the fruit, and I can tell you what kind of tree it is. And I watched this man revel in the fact that he was, he was affecting our entire flight, everybody on board that huge jumbo jet, double-decker. Everybody on board knows this man is praying. Do you think God's impressed by all of that? I don't. Because he wasn't praying to touch God. He was praying so everybody around would know he was praying. Almost made the captain divert the flight and, and, and turn us and fly us into Cairo, Egypt instead because he would not sit down. And finally, one of the head stewards went and grabbed him by his little prayer shawl and said, you will sit down and drug him back to his seat. It was quite the show. Now, I'm just telling you, this was the very thing Jesus was condemning. Jesus wants us to pray. He, he encouraged us to pray, but he's not interested in us making a show out of our prayers. He doesn't want us praying so that others can know that we pray. How many times have you heard someone that's called on to pray a prayer that, boy, they want to be as eloquent as they can, that they want to use the biggest words they can use? And everybody's sitting there scratching their head thinking, what did that mean? Well, you know, use your ability. I, I have no problem with having um, an excellent vocabulary. I, I wish mine were even larger than it is, but I'm just telling you that when I pray, I'm not praying so you'll be impressed with my words. I'm praying because I have a message I want to relay to the God of my salvation. I want him to hear me. I want him to be pleased with what I say. Amen. We, we really, we dealt with this in great detail in, in chapter 6, and so I, I won't... And, and I can't believe it. My time is up. Um, I, I won't go into great detail again, but let me just remind you of what we read back in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Matthew 6, 1 and 2 says this. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now this, again, I don't want to spend much time on it because we dealt with it in great detail. But these two verses are very, very clear that you only get one reward. 
whatever you do, you get one reward. So here's your choice. Do it for men and let men reward you, and that's all you ever get. Or do it for God in secret and let God reward you. Now, I don't know what choice you want to make, but I'm not nearly as interested in the applause of earth as I am in the applause of heaven. I want God's reward. What I do, I don't want to do so that you'll compliment me. I don't want to do it so you'll pat me on the back. I don't want to do it so you'll thank me. I want to do it so that when I stand before him, he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm striving for. And, and I hope and I pray that that's what you're looking for today. This is not about receiving the compliments of men. It's about making God happy. And more than anything else, that's my desire. That's my dream. That's why, that's why I say if God is wanting me to go back to Africa as hard as it is, and I'm telling you, I'm still battling with jet lag, and, and, and I'm still along about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, my eyes are rolling back in my head. I'm, I'm just still not quite adjusted to the time difference. And, and, and somebody um, really encouraged me uh, today. They said it took me about a month to finally get over it. Oh, thank you. Just what I wanted to hear. Hallelujah. Uh, but anyhow, I, I still, even today, I, you know, I sit down and, I'm, and, and then I wake up in the middle of the night and wonder, what's going on? What am I going to do now? And it just takes a while to get adjusted to everything. But I'm telling you, as hard as it is on this body, if that's what God is asking me to do, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to do it for the applause of men. I'm not going to do it so that others will say, oh, look what he's doing. That's not what I'm interested in. I just want to say, God, if this is what you're expecting of me, I want you to know I'll pay any price. I'll go anywhere. I'll say anything. I'll do whatever you ask because I want you to be pleased with my effort. Listen to me. Eternity is forever. There are no second chances on life. You don't get to come back as something else or somebody else. For it is appointed unto man once to die. And after death, the judgment. I have one shot at getting this right. I have one shot at it. Musicians come. I have one shot at getting it right. I don't want to blow it. I'm going to tell you, however long I live on this earth, if I live to be 100, if I live to be 120, if I make the Guinness Book of World Records and, and surpass everybody else, it's going to be a drop in the bucket compared to what eternity is. I'm not interested in being a success in the eyes of men down here. I just want to be a success when I get to the other side. I want to make it into heaven. I want to be saved. And so I ask you today, I ask you today, are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready? See, we, we don't know. We don't know. We don't know 
when our appointed time is. We don't know. I've been to the funerals of infants, teenagers, young adults. Just because you're not 80 years old doesn't mean you still have a long time. None of us knows the day of our appointment. All we can do is be ready. And today, as I bring this message to a close, I want to encourage you to make up your mind right now. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready. I want to I live for God. I want to make God happy. Living for God is not a miserable time. It's a wonderful time. I've been living for God since I was 12 years old. Most of the church knows my story. Go ahead and play softly if you would. Most of the church knows my story. None of my family went to church. Nobody. I was a 12-year-old boy that they picked up and brought to Sunday school. God filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I was baptized in Jesus' name at the age of 12. I've been living for God. I'm 53 now. Been living for God for 41 years. I'm amazed when I get together with some of my classmates from high school and I look and I'm please I'm not I'm not bragging. I'm just telling you, I look at how life has treated them. They're the same age I am. But honestly, many of them look old enough to be my father. Many of them, by the time they turn 50, they have been so beaten and abused by life. It's taken such a toll on them. And they comment to me, you, 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 you still look so young. I'm not saying I do. I'm just telling you what they say. I can promise you right now I don't feel very young. But it's, it's as simple as this. The Bible says that the way of the transgressor is hard. It's a hard life out there without God. It's a hard life without God. It's a hard life. Have I had problems? Oh, I can promise you I have. Have I had difficult moments? Without question. Have I ever gone to my cupboard and had no food and looked in my checkbook and had no money and opened my billfold and there are no bills to fold? Oh, yeah, I've been there. I've been there. But I can tell you this. I wouldn't trade one moment that I've been living for God. Even in the deepest darkest valleys of my life there has been a hand that has held to mine he's watched over me he's taken care of me he's protected me he's encouraged me he's loved me 
life hasn't always been pleasant but it's always been good because I have him I can say with the psalmist that even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'm not afraid of anything because I know I'm not there alone thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me listen to me my friend God has a door of salvation that is open to you right now God wants to give you peace that passes human understanding God wants to give you strength and grace and true happiness that cannot be found anywhere else but God is the ultimate gentleman and he will not force himself upon you God simply stands with open arms and says come to me come to me I'm waiting on you I love you I want to help you I want, to, I want to strengthen you. I, I want to save you. But you have to come to me. He stands here today ready. Ready. When the crowd in Acts chapter 2 cried out to the apostles, tell us, tell us what to do. Tell us how to be saved. The answer was very simple. The first thing you've got to do is repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to have mercy on you for the way you've lived. Purpose in your heart that if he'll help you, you're not going to keep living that way. Repent. And then Peter said, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when God's Spirit comes inside of you to live, He gives you that peace, that joy, that happiness. Let's stand this morning. Is there anybody here that's ready for a brand new life? Is there anybody here that's ready for a change? God, I need you. I've tried it my way and it just doesn't work. I'm ready to try it your way. These altars are open today. Would you come? Would you come and pray? Here are some folks that are coming. Why don't you join us? Why don't you come and kneel before the Lord? Why don't you open your heart to Him? Why don't you pour yourself out before Him? Let him touch you. Let him help you. Let him save you today. He's here. He's here right now.